Hello, I'm Mary, and you're listening to First Pages Readings. In this podcast, I explore reading and celebrate books as cultural messengers. Each episode, I'll read from three books of either fiction, nonfiction, young adult, middle grade, or poetry. Hello and welcome to First Pages Readings, Episode 41, and thanks for joining me. Today I'll be reading from three books of nonfiction. Let's get started. Today's first book is Mothers, Fathers, and Others, Essays by Siri Hustvet. This book shines from the essence of a writer who is fully engaged with the world around them. Subjects as diverse as the current virus, the author's grandmother, Sinbad the Sailor, misogyny, a public book club series, and more radiate with observations that challenge readers to think along with the author. The essays emanate from examination and purpose, yet reach us with the magic and mastery like a soft breeze. The first page of Mothers, Fathers, and Others. Tilly. My paternal grandmother was ornery, fat, and formidable. She cackled when she laughed, brooded for reasons known only to her, barked out her sometimes alarming opinions, and spoke a Norwegian dialect impenetrable to me. Although she was born in the United States, she never mastered the th sound in English and opted for a straight t instead, referring to tings and thunderstorms and thanksgiving. When I was a child, her hair was thick and white, and when loose, it fell almost to her waist. Before I knew her, it had been auburn. It thinned over the years, but I remember my awe when I saw it down. That happened only at night, after she had unpinned her bun in front of the hazy mirror in the tiny, musty, mildewed bedroom of the farmhouse where she lived with my grandfather, who had his own even smaller room under the eaves just up the narrow wooden steps on a floor we were rarely allowed to visit. Once her hair had fallen and her nightgown was on, my grandmother took out her teeth and put them in a glass by the bed, an act that fascinated me and my sister Liv, because we had no body parts that could be removed at night and replaced in the morning. The extractable teeth, however, were only one piece of an altogether marvelous, if sometimes intimidating, being. Our grandmother peeled potatoes with a paring knife, at what seemed to me the speed of light, hauled logs from the woodpile near the house, and yanked open the heavy door to the root cellar with a single gesture as strong as any man's, before she led us down to the cold, dank domain where canned goods stood in their glass jars on shelves lined up against earthen walls. It was a place that smelled of the grave, a thought that may or may not have occurred to me then, but the excursion was always accompanied by a whiff of threat by the fantasy that I would be left below with the jars and the snakes and the ghosts in blackness. Today's next book is Feel Free by Zadie Smith. These essays are elegant and timely and funny. They shine a light on culture and politics as well as the author's internal musings. The book contains commentary on subjects as dissimilar as social media, libraries, books, time, and more. Smith's alchemy is in turning the seemingly everyday 
into something that carries extraordinary insight. The first page of Feel Free, Northwest London Blues. Last time I was in Wilsdon Green, I took my daughter to visit my mother. The sun was out. We wandered down Bronzebury Park toward the high road. The French market was on, which is a slightly improbable market, of French things sold in the concrete space between the pretty turreted remnants of Wilsdon Library, 1894, and the brutal red brick beached cruise ship known as Wilsdon Green Library Center, 1989 a substantial local landmark that racks up nearly 500,000 visits a year. We walked in the sun down the urban street to the concrete space to market. This wasn't like walking a shady country lane in a quaint market town, ending up in a perfectly preserved 18th century square. It was not even like going to one of these farmer's markets that have sprung up all over London at the crossroads where personal wealth meets a strong interest in artisanal cheeses. But it was still very nice. Wilsden French Market sells cheap bags. It sells CDs of old-time jazz and rock and roll. It sells umbrellas and artificial flowers. It sells ornaments and knickknacks and doodahs, which are not always obviously French in theme or nature. It sells water pistols. It sells French breads and pastries for not much more than you'd pay for the baked goods in Greg's down Kilburn High Road. It sells cheese, but of the decently priced and easily recognizable kind. Brie. Goats. Blue. As if the market has traveled unchanged across the channel from some run-down urban suburb of Paris. Today's third book is The Good Immigrant, edited by Nikish Shukla and Shamin Suleiman. The book, which is the U.S. edition, is a collection of essays written by first- and second-generation immigrants. The collection is thought-provoking and interesting, sometimes painful to read, and sometimes funny. I learned a lot from reading this book. It broadened my understanding of the diverse immigrant experiences in the U.S., the first page of The Good Immigrant, How to Write Iranian America, or The Last Essay, by Porchista Kakpur. 1. Begin by writing about anything else. Go to the public library in your Los Angeles suburb and ask for all the great books people in New York City read, please. Wonder if the reference librarian knows a living writer, and ask her what would a living writer read, and an American one, please. When she realizes you are still in the single digits and asks, Where are your parents, young lady? Don't answer, and demand Shakespeare, and take that big book home and cry because you can't understand it. Tomorrow, go back to reading the dictionary, a letter at a time, and cry because you can't learn the words. Ask your father if you will cry daily for the rest of your life, and remember his answer decades later. When you are older, you will care less about things. Pray to a God you still believe in that you will once more avoid ESL with all its teachers who look to you with the shine of love but the stench of pity. Refugee, resident alien, political asylum, immigrant, foreigner, the only words you know that you don't want to know. Write because it's something to do, something your parents will let you do because it looks like homework. 
Write because one place to live is in your head and it's not broken yet. Write because it's something to drown out the sound of their fighting deep into every night. Thank you for spending time with me today. If you liked listening to this episode, please subscribe.